It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we dig into the question that's dogging every single waking second of Toronto Raptors basketball and everything around it right now. Should the Raptors trade Fred Van Vliet or not before the deadline next month? We will examine that question and the many, many complications that come with it with our pal Joe Wolfon from Pound the Rock. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1315 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, January the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of, uh, you know, all over the place, I guess. Last nine seasons, I've been covering the Raptors all over. You can find all of my work by going to Twitter at WoodleySean. Uh, you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we are on YouTube. If you want to go hit the big fat red subscribe button, you can't miss it. It really helps to support the show boosts us in the algorithms and all that. The all-important, almighty algorithms. Please help us with those. You are the very, very best for doing so. Also, a big thank you to uh, LinkedIn Jobs bringing you to today's show. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right. On today's show, Fred Van Vliet is the topic of conversation. And look, this has been a topic of conversation for a while now on this podcast, all over the uh, Raptors coverage circles. And we are now at the point, about a month away from the trade deadline, where this whole thing might come to a head at some point here. And there's a lot to grapple with. The giant question of should the Raptors trade Fred Van Vliet before the deadline or not. And here to help me sort through this very complex and difficult question is a man who is nuanced and smart and uh, knows what the hell he's talking about from the very best NBA podcast there is. It's Joe Wolfon from Pound the Rock and the Score. Joe, how are you, buddy? I'm great after that generous intro. Always <laughs> a pleasure to be here. Uh, I've been I've been waiting for you to have me on to to gloat about my extremely correct preseason prediction about the inevitable disappointment awaiting these Raptors. But uh, now it's good to be here, man. Yeah, credit to you, man. You you were on it. You called it uh, early on that this might be a, a difficult slog for the Raptors to weather their, themselves through. And uh, man, oh man, have you ever been right? Fred Van Vliet, let's uh, dive in, shall we? We're going to dig into sort of the concept of, you know, what an actual Fred Van Vliet trade could look like. We're going to talk about a few trade packages I've put together to using our dear friends over at the Spanspo Trade Machine, or I think that's the name of the site. Either way, uh, that'll come up later on in the show. But I, I guess now is sort of the time to dig into the question, just kind of the big question, should the Raptors trade Fred Van Vliet or not? Joe, what say you? I mean, this is going to sound like a weak cop-out of an answer, but... You... No, no, we love weak cop-outs. <laughs> that's, that's what the whole podcast is made on. Well, <laughs> the answer is you got to let the market decide for you. Right, Like, right. You, you don't just say, yeah, you should trade him, or yeah, you shouldn't. It's about what you can get for him. And if there's a strong offer out there, then I think you pull the trigger. I mm -hmm. just, like, at this point, I feel like you have to be willing to make that decision given where this season has gone and given I think how you need to write like reorient your priorities a little bit. And sure. it doesn't need to be like a super long-term type of thing, but if like you have to think about what his free agency is going to look like, I suppose. 
And that's going to factor into it as well. And I'm certain that the Raptors front office is doing its due diligence and has been in contact with Fred's reps and has a sense of what uh, they feel like his market is going to be and what he is going to be willing to re-sign for. Mm-hmm. That's going to factor into it as well. And if they think that they can keep him uh, on you know, a, a palatable deal into the future, then maybe that's preferable to them than shipping him out now for, I don't know, like a, a protected first round pick. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, again, if there if there is like a strong push out there, if there is a bidding war of some kind, and they feel like they can get a deal that is going to balance their short and long-term priorities in a way that makes sense, mm-hmm. then I think that they have to do it, right? Like, it, it's not... This has been said a lot, you know? Like, Fred's not an old guy he's still what is he 28 now 28 yeah turns 29 this season so he's on you know pascal's timeline right Mm -hmm. which in theory could also be like the og ananobi and scotty barnes timeline like there is a universe in which pascal is still very much in his prime while scotty barnes is starting to enter his and that is going to be the sweet spot for this iteration of the Raptors. Totally. So what what the front office needs to be thinking about is how do we maximize that window? Yeah. And I think there was probably a thought that maybe that could happen as early as this year. Yep. You know, right here. Hi. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I as you know was a little bit skeptical of that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't have to change the fact that you know two years down the road. That could be a really, really strong, like if you want to include OG in that, that mm-hmm. could be a really strong three-player nucleus to build around. And what, you know, what does building around that three-player nucleus look like, right? I think it has to start with having a really good guard who mm-hmm. fits next to those guys very well. And Fred is that guy. Like he he he's a really good complement to them in a lot of different ways that we can get into. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is still going to be like barring what I would consider to be an unforeseen leap from Scotty in terms of just like shot creation mm-hmm. in the half court. I think that deficit is still going to exist. Yeah. And then I think the the issue that you run into is, okay, like you want to have Fred there as like a complimentary off guard, a guy who can skitter around off ball and hit catch and shoot threes. And I know he hasn't done that this season, but like he has a (laughs) long, long track record to suggest that he is an elite catch and shoot three point shooter. So you would expect that to, to come through at some point, like you'd like to have him there, but is there an Avenue where you can keep him and still add that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like the drink stirring, shot creating guard to tie all of this together and i don't know the answer to that and like i think at this point i i'm starting to think about this as a lost season as difficult as that might be to stomach i think that they're at the very least gonna have to start to look toward next season right and they don't have to think about next season as a lost season. It doesn't, again, like have to be such a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. But if that is the approach, if they're starting to think past this year toward next year, then they really have to start to think about whether Fred's free agency is something that they're going to want to wrangle with or whether they're going to want to try and essentially take that decision off their plate yeah, and get what they can for him now. Yeah, it's so complex right now because of the timing of everything right there's only a limited runway before the deadline where there in theory is sort of an inflection point for this decision to be made again you could wait till the off season you know to keep in contact with his reps keep his bird rights you know who knows what the possible outcomes could be come the summer hell maybe he opts in probably not uh he's gonna try to cash in while he still can before any more decline potentially takes place if that's even what's going on and that's the hard thing to figure out is is what's happening this season where he's having the worst three-point shooting season of his life indicative of a decline that you don't want to be part of with his next contract and i don't really know the answer to that 
some things suggest that maybe that's not actually the case. He has a career-high free throw rate this season. He is getting to the rim. Uh, I believe, let me, I have it here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Lost it because, of course, basketball reference has too many things to sift through. Uh, he's getting to the rim uh, just as regularly as he typically does. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, a crazy oscillation from previous seasons. It's not a huge drop off. He's actually getting to the rim shooting inside uh, three feet and inside 10 feet more often than he did last season. Uh, his percentages have fallen off a little bit, but not a ton from that range. It's really, to me, mostly tied to the three-point percentages. It, like, that's kind of bleeding into everything. You know, the, the, the league low field goal percentage, all of this stuff. And so I do think it kind of comes down to, do you think there is positive regression to the need to come here from three with him? And if so, do you really want to get in the business of dealing him before that actually happens and then sit there while he's burying 44% of his threes for a contender sitting, oh, damn, like, we're really cool if we could have that guy who's a guard who can dribble and shoot on this team that desperately needs guards who can dribble and shoot. Mm -hmm. um, where are you at with the idea of this being the beginning of the decline versus a very ill-timed, inconveniently timed slump? Uh, I think it's really hard to say mm -hmm. when some like something like shooting is just resistant to analysis, right? Like there's yep. nothing. And I know, you know, they have like the, the shot tracking system that can tell them, oh, now he's just missing left to right instead <laughs> of short or long. And maybe there's a, you know, mechanical correction that can be made there to fix this. But it's really like I. Yeah, how do you differentiate a slump from, oh, this guy, like something in the kinetic chain, like some physical decline is leading to him no longer being able to shoot the ball. Like I'm not a, a biomechanical expert that can dig into that on a granular level and actually figure <laughs> it out. So I would default to saying, look at his track record and expect that it's going to rebound. And like you mentioned, I mean, just... In, in its most simplistic form, like just look at his two point percentages. Like yeah. it is exactly in line with his career average. Mm -hmm. So if he was shooting the three ball, the way that he shot it in the past, his numbers would look exactly the same as they've always looked. I think honestly, the more worrying thing might be the point of attack defense. Yeah. And, that's a good point. Yeah. And that's where I, I kind of start to think, Especially if you consider that this is carryover from the end of last season, right? Like he was a broken man in that Philly series and honestly yeah. was not himself basically for the back half of the season after he made the all-star team. Mm -hmm. And so now we're looking at almost a full calendar year of him being basically this guy. Yeah. And I think at that point you do have to start to wonder if we've already seen him play his best basketball. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he's not still a good player like even in this form with him shooting the ball the way that he has shot it i think he's still like very much a net positive player but what does that mean for this raptors team yeah is kind of what we're trying to answer and if he is merely like an elite help defender who makes all the right rotations and still has those incredible heavy sticky hands <laughs> where he can come up with those steals and deflections and is like one of the best dig down guards in the league and all that stuff that kind of makes him such a good fit in this Raptors defensive scheme like that that still brings value but if he's getting blown by at the point of attack and that's causing all kinds of breakdowns and we've seen that happen a lot this season mm -hmm. then you know I, I think you you have to take all that stuff into consideration and wonder if you know, whether it's just his size and they're always being a really, really slim margin for error mm -hmm. with with basically six foot or shorter guards in his mold. Um, and, you know, look, he's he's never been a guy who got by on like burst sure. and raw athleticism. Like he's not a guy who creates a ton of separation for his jumper off of the bounce. And, uh, you know, his his defense has always kind of relied on intuition and strength and things like that, rather than just like the raw, you know, side to side agility and speed in terms of like containing dribble penetration. So 
that's a you know it is an instance where like a little bit of slippage could have a profound impact and i think they have to be considering that when they're thinking about what his next contract is going to look like and yeah. whether they want to be the team that pays it yeah as much as you know the loud people want this to be as simple as well you trade fred and done like there, there's just there's no easy way to come to a conclusion on this one and you know we got more to dive into here we're going to come back dig into you know the sort of theoretical trade value fred van vliet might have right now also the idea that will drive so many people crazy of uh not changing a whole lot and maybe just sort of hitting reset in the offseason with some back of the roster additions we'll get to that idea in just one second and make everyone really really pissed off before we do that however got to tell you about our friends over at linkedin jobs who are helping you find success in 2023 by helping you find the team members you can surround yourself with that are going to help you get there and achieve the success you want as a small business owner or hiring manager. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and all sorts of information that they pull from member profiles and everything at their disposal to help identify the most qualified candidates for you on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them with you fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's wonderful. You get to fill out exactly the qualifications you're looking for. LinkedIn Jobs is going to ensure the people applying for your job match those qualifications so you're not wasting time interviewing people who are not going to be the right fit. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedInMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedInMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with Joe Wolfond of The Score and Pound the Rock, digging into the very, very difficult question of whether or not the Raptors should look at trading Fred Van Vliet. Before we get to the idea of value and also the idea of the five very silly trade machine proposals I've come up with for Joe to judge, uh, we should talk about the idea of just what happens if they don't trade Fred Van Vliet. And by extension... Gary Trent Jr., who's playing really well right now. This is a whole other conversation for another day. But again, a team that is desperately in need of guards and shooting, trading away the two guys who most notably play guard and can shoot on this team, feels potentially counterproductive. Of course, like you said, the sort of long game has to be in mind here, and the contract issues with both of them make this such a difficult conversation. But let me ask you this, Joe. The Raptors come up to the trade deadline maybe they win some games here in the meantime maybe they don't maybe they're still on course to be like let's just say an eighth ninth tenth team in the play-in conversation this year C consider that a lost season if you want I still think there's reason to be in the play-in because it's fun and cool and you remember the games and that's a nice thing to have but um just assume that they go through the deadline things are kind of as they are right now vibes wise play wise and they choose not to trade Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. as well. Is it just like full-on negligence if the Raptors continue to buy into their own team-building model and say, it's going to work this time next year, just bringing back the same host of core guys, the five guys I think we all kind of include as the core, plus Precious Achua, I would assume you throw in there as well, and thinking, all right, the way that we fix this team is by adjusting roster spots 6 through 15 as opposed to 1 through 5. Is that an insane way for the Raptors to go into their offseason? I know it will drive the fan base absolutely insane mm -hmm. because people want blood and they want change, but is there something to the idea of the bad players not actually, sorry, the good players not actually being the problem here and the bad players being the problem? Maybe that is, you know, so simple that it hurts your brain to think of, you know, any other explanation, but uh, just, you know, to kind of help with this point too, 
we got 162 minutes now of the Raptors starting five, the one that they've used the last couple games here, the sort of original starting five this season. And they're up to a plus 3.6 net rating. It's just 162 minutes, but those players drive positive play. Fred Van Vliet's still a plus 1.8 on court differential when he is on the floor. These guys still drive positive play despite all the struggles. Is there an argument to not trading any of these pending guys, except, except for maybe Chris Boucher, and just hoping to run it back next year and hope that the development and learning curve of this season, plus some internal development, plus some offseason ads, a first-round pick, whatever you want, help to supplement the roster to kind of let them take off to the next season, maybe as like a delayed takeoff as what we maybe thought would happen this year? I think, again, it just really depends on what you'd be leaving on the table. Right. And if you're leaving first round picks on the table you know like between fred and gary if you can get multiple first round picks Mm -hmm. then yeah i think it would be negligent not to take it okay and because the way that i've sort of conceptualized this is there's no universe in which trading those guys this year makes the team better no i think you know, there was like a framework and it was maybe totally theoretical, but we know that the Raptors have been in on Jakob Pertle at various points in time. And what would be going the other way? I mean, I guess it could just be salary filler and like picks if they wanted mm-hmm. to do that. Um, I don't necessarily think that the Raptors should be in the business of trading draft picks right now. Definitely uh, not to... 2023. I, you know, beyond no. that, you could convince me, but yeah. But yeah, it's you, you get into things, even if it's just like, you know, picks a few years out and you're thinking about doing that to chase something this season and then having to deal with Pirtle's free agency. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, again, it's like putting another major question mark in <laughs> front of them where it's like, okay, so now we've traded more future stuff to get another pending free agent in the door. And now on top of having to figure out what to do with Fred and Gary in the offseason, we're having to figure out what we want to do with Yak as well. It's just, I don't think that at this point would be worthwhile. So, mm-hmm. but like, even then it's like, if you were trading, you know, like Gary Trent, which again, wouldn't really make sense for the Spurs to do. But if, if you're like trying to address the, the hole at center by trading one of like the two guys on the team who can shoot the basketball, <laughs> How much is that realistically even helping you in the short term? So yeah, it's plug in one hole to create another. It's uh, you know playing whack a mole with a leaky raft. <laughs> so that's the thing, and like the you know maybe some people who are really down on Freb see a scenario in which they trade him and get better, but that's not going to happen. Like mm. the the obviously like the center thing, a lot's been made of that, and that is a real thing. I, I do think they need at some point in time to get that legitimate defensive anchor and, you know, pick and roll finisher that is going, that is going to plug, you know, uh, multiple holes on the offensive and defensive end at Mm -hmm. once. But like the lack of guard depth is almost a bigger issue in my mind. Yeah. And so because especially considering Scotty Barnes is the center that was promised, he's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a topic for another episode. I mean, like he's, I have, I have Look, some, we got to grasp for something right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think he's proven that he can be, you know, like maybe a guy who's not your starting center, but can maybe close games at center. Yeah. Can maybe be like a backup center type of thing. Like not like as in he's going to be your like a backup center coming off of the bench. But I mean, like sure. starting at power forward yeah, or whatever position he plays and then being the kind of nominal backup five uh, mm-hmm. in transitional lineups. I think that could make some sense. But When you need instant buckets against Brooke Lopez, he's your guy, uh, apparently. <laughs> as long as, yeah, there's like five minutes left in the fourth quarter and you need to mount a furious comeback, but good luck trying to get him to do anything in the 43 minutes before that. Uh, point being, like, you're not trading Fred, and I'm skeptical you'd even be trading Gary mm-hmm. for a better guard. Yeah. So in trading those guys, your already flimsy guard depth is getting even flimsier. Yeah. They're, the point of trading them, and especially in trading Fred, would be you don't care about this season. You're you're willing to take a step back this year because you're thinking about it in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in longer term terms, I guess. Um, <laughs> but 
I think the the way that I started to conceptualize it is okay if you're if you're building the team around Siakam and Barnes and I guess Ananobi as well. Yeah. The idea to me would be okay. Let's get what we can for those guys now, mm-hmm. and we'll accumulate as much draft pick capital as many prospects as we can and then we have the ammo to make like the big one you know like the the when the next donovan mitchell type player becomes available and again i you know is there going to be another scenario like that that was almost kind of a perfect storm of yeah like all-star level a player who fits basically all of your offensive needs in his mid-20s with three years left on his deal they might not get another opportunity like that but somebody in that stratosphere will will shake loose at some point. Yeah. Like it just happens over and over and over again. It's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think you want to position yourself as best as you possibly can to be in that mix if or when that happens. And I think right now, this is the best way to do it. Yeah. Is like to take these guys who presumably have some value on the market enough, I would hope to get you like a first round pick each. Yeah. You know, and maybe like a, you know, a kind of mid tier prospect on top of that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you can turn your nose up at that, even if it means, you know, just kicking the can down the road a little bit, suffering through a, a really difficult back half of this season, mm-hmm. selling it to Pascal is like, look, this, this might hurt your all NBA case. And that might really impact what we can offer you in terms of a contract <laughs> extension. Those are yeah. tough conversations to have. Like it's not very much so. These another, are another another thing that complicates it all. <laughs> and that's that's to say nothing of you know trading a guy in Fred who you know parts of the fan base may have turned on him, but he has meant an awful lot to this team mm-hmm. in the six years that he's been here, and. You know, not just as a player, but obviously as an emerging leader and a culture setter and somebody who is just like really woven into the fabric of this team. Like it's not an easy thing to just turn around and trade that guy, but you have to be pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe like for all the reasons that we talked about, the, the shooting woes, what we've seen from him in the last calendar year, basically the slippage defensively. Those are like all the reasons that the Raptors might want to trade him or the fan base might want to ship him out are reasons that other teams might not want to put anything real on the table to get him given that he's going to, you know, be coming up for a new deal at the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's just like that. That's what they have to weigh. Right. And maybe Mm -hmm. those deals aren't out there. And in that case, I really do think it might, you know, like you said, maybe it would aggravate the fan base, but if those deals aren't there, then, I think the wise thing to do would just be to to stay the course and kind of hope that that bounce back is coming mm-hmm. and hope that come off season, you know, they can negotiate uh, a, a decent compromise in terms of what his next contract looks like. Um, yeah. And then either, either, you know, his trade value increases and you can flip him again down the road or he just is Fred Van Vliet again, you know, the one that we know and love. Yeah. And, <laughs> that Fred Van Vliet is still an important contributor to a team that actually goes where people thought that maybe it was going to go this season. Yeah. I mean, the, the hope there being the bounce back while maybe too late in the season to salvage hope at like, you know, a six seed or something like that is enough to inspire hope going into the off season that this isn't all totally broken. And, uh, it's a lot, man. You know, they might be helped by the fact that there are apparently going to be a lot of very good teams with designs on winning a title this season, and maybe you can get a bidding war going for those guys. That said, Joe, we're going to go into it. I have a bunch of trade proposals for you. I'm not enthused by any of them, and mm. I don't know which other ones are even all that viable. We are going to run into those in just one second here, and Joe will uh, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down on the trades I've concocted involving Fred Van Vliet. We'll get to that in just one second. But 
first, got to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis all season long. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. You've got pro and college football. You've got women's basketball on the college side, WNBA coming up, futures, all that good stuff. You've got uh, the NBA, obviously, soccer, the European leagues are back up and running. It's all there for you. And if you feel like getting into sports betting, if it's something you haven't really done a whole lot with or have not had a lot of success with, Bet Online is here to make you the informed wager. They got analysis, podcasts, injury reports, all that good stuff. So you're not just throwing your money away. You're actually making bets that make sense because you know why the lines have been set the way they've been set and all that good stuff. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's get to it, Joe. It's trade machine sicko time. It's a real wonderful evolution that I've undergone. Someone who used to hate the trade machine last couple seasons, I've uh, taken... To the lovely advice of our pal, the Zoobs, over at Less Than Jays, transactions are good and cool, and it's why we like sports. So let's do some fake transactions, shall we? I'm going to, I have five trades I've come up with here, four teams involved uh, in the five different trades I've uh, concocted. And uh, basically, we're going to just ask, do you think it's good or bad for the Raptors? Joe, you're more nuanced than that, so I'm sure you'll give a thoughtful explanation as to why you think, uh, you know, it's in between good and bad for all of them. But... Let's get to it. Here is trade idea number one. The LA Clippers. I sent you this one, uh, a variation of this one, but mm-hmm. I've kind of changed it around a little bit. So going to the Raptors, Reggie Jackson, Robert Covington, Terrence Mann, and a 2028 first round pick, whatever the projection. I, I said top three protected. Who cares? I, the protections feel irrelevant in 2028, considering that is uh, after the earth is going to end, probably. Uh, the Clippers get Otto Porter Jr., who can't play right now, but might be a nice guy to have on a title contender deep into the playoffs if he can get back and healthy. And of course, Fred Van Vliet going the Clippers way. The Clippers here get, uh, you know, a more reliable point guard option, I would say, than Reggie Jackson or John Wall. They get Otto Porter Jr. as another weird long wing guy who they love down there with the Clippers uh, and guys who are not playing a ton for them right now. Robert Covington, uh, you know, he, he gets moved over here. He could be the help side rim protector the Raptors desperately need, all that good stuff. Terrence Mann is sort of that mid-tier prospect type, I guess, um, if we're kind of going with what we talked about last segment. Joe, is that trade okay, good or can bad? Can I just say the idea that what the Raptors need is a help side rim protector is... They need any rim protection of any kind, man. No, <laughs> help side rim protection is all they have. They have a yeah, bunch of great help side rim protection. you're right. Yep, they have no primary rim protection. Like, that's the problem. <laughs> what if there's just more help side rim protection, Joe? It's just, oops, all help side. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I would try to shoot higher than this, Mm -hmm. but I would say if this is like the best that's out there, I would probably hold my nose and take it. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. It's hard to get excited about a a draft pick that's, that's that far out. 100%. And I think, that, by the way, I mean, that's it, like the closest one the Clippers can trade. That's no, why I know, that's the one I, I included for the I people know. out there, not for you, for the people. I know um, you know that. <laughs> but I think, I mean, again, if you were like thinking about it in the way that I'm thinking about it, and that draft pick is sort of just a, a trade chip mm-hmm. to you, then I don't know. I mean, I guess th- then it depends on what that trade chip would mean to the rest of the league and if you're um you know 
if if you're putting together uh i'm not saying this is gonna happen like the the thunder i think right now have a better record than the raptors so all the <laughs> go and get shay yeah that one you know feels fantasizing the is uh <laughs> either on the back burner or out the window entirely but if let's say you are preparing that type of you know godfather shay trade offer you know with that top three that's a very light protection for a team that is potentially going to be really bad in 2028 yeah that's uh, uh that's sam presti uh like wet dream stuff right there uh 2028 I mean. so lightly te- protected pick oh my goodness yes yeah. a team like that <laughs> the one or... clippers pick he couldn't get in the paul george trade <laughs> there you go uh. um that's you know a team with with a a much longer view like the thunder like the rockets if the rockets had anything to trade that would actually interest me mm-hmm. then yeah, I think you could talk yourself into feeling like that was still a, a pretty valuable asset. I mean, it is a valuable asset. Yeah, uh, it's just a valuable asset five years from now. And um, if you're, you know, thinking about with the Raptors' priorities, which, like we said, is is maximizing this kind of three to four year window where potentially Siakam and Barnes and Ananobi's primes all overlap, mm-hmm. then. I don't know. I don't know what that does for you. But again, if this is the best you can do, I, I think that I would actually still take it. And I really do like Terrence Mann. Yeah. Um, you know, the it's not really an issue because I think he would help in, in a couple of different ways. Like, great slasher, can really get to the rim, can shoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just, he's one of these players who really thrives as like a you know, an advantage extender, like somebody who you get him the ball with a a tilted defense and he's going to really make something happen for you, Mm -hmm. you know, attacking a closeout, punching a gap, but the Raptors just don't create a lot of those gaps. (laughs) And so a guy who has really thrived, you know, playing alongside guys like, like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, uh, I I wonder how effective he would be, Hmm. you know, playing, uh, playing next to like not that Siakam can't create advantages like that he can but he's kind of the only one who can do that right now yeah I mean look dude uh the Raptors bench has been uh so grotesquely bad that Terrence Mann feels like adding uh prime Manu to the mix to that bench uh but again like you would want him playing with the starters you know like that's where you're gonna where, where you're gonna squeeze the most value out of him so yeah yeah um it's not my fave. It's kind of upsetting, but I, I think I sent this to our pal Robert Flom, who covers the Clippers, does a great job, and he was like, I kind of hate it for both teams, so it's probably a good trade. Uh, that's that's usually the sign of uh, yeah. doing some good trade machine work. Let's go to the next one here. We'll try to rattle through these ones a little quicker. Uh, this one is Miami Heat. Let's get weird, baby. Otto Porter, Fred Van Vliet to Miami for Kyle Lowry and a first-round pick. This isn't happening. I just thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, what what is this? <laughs> what are you, what I just, are you doing? I've seen the Lowry Van Vliet thing thrown around a lot, and I, I don't understand it. Um, I feel like the Heat would probably want Kyle Lowry, who I think still is maybe a better basketball player overall, driving winning basketball than Fred Van Vliet. But uh, we can move on to the next one. I just needed to throw that one in there because the people are, are sickos and, and love that stuff. All right, this one here, the L.A. Lakers. We've talked about this in the DMs all season long, Joe. This one here, Russell Westbrook. Uh, I accidentally put second round pick from 2027, but that should be a first. Uh, the Lakers, in return for the Westbrook contract and two first round picks, those two vaunted first round picks, get Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Juancho Hernan Gomez for salary matching purposes. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., catching, shooting threes off of LeBron James. Pretty tight. Uh, these, of course, are two very valuable first-round picks as well. I guess the Lakers would have to reckon with, can we re-sign Van Vliet and Trent? Is this a way you bolster next year's Lakers team to give LeBron one last shot? Uh, Joe, thoughts on this trade package for the Raptors? Yeah, this is the one for yeah? me. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, even though I was like kind of scoffing at the 2028 Clippers pick, I mean, <laughs> if you... I, I, I'm pretty skeptical that the Lakers would do that, that that without any protection right? on those two first-rounders, especially because Fred and Gary are both expirings. Yeah. I mean, they're, they have player options, but both of them are going to decline them, I think. So, yeah, uh, I think that they would be really reluctant to put both of those picks on the table for two guys who are about to be free agents. 
mm-hmm. there would have to be some protection on them. But uh, that's that's sort of in the vein of what I'm thinking, where it's like, yeah, you're going to be bad for the rest of this season if you do this. Mm-hmm. But this isn't about the rest of this season. This is about maximizing, you know, the next three years after this, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is like you get these kinds of valuable draft picks that then you can flip into something else that makes the roster make more sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's that's kind of the way that you would have to go about doing it. Um, so again, like would the Lakers be amenable to doing that with no protections or like very light protections on those picks? I'm not sure. And that's that's where I think a negotiation like this, if it were to happen, would mm-hmm. potentially break down. But if you could get like those picks pretty lightly protected, that's that's the kind of move I feel like they should be looking to make. Yeah, if you're talking earlier in the season before AD getting hurt, I feel like it's more likely that you talk the Lakers into this, but um, uh, it might be too far gone for them. But again, like I, I'm a big believer in the idea of using the trade deadline as a way to set yourself up for the following season as well. I feel like it's not just about the last couple months, and it's yeah. too often made out to be that way. And look at what the, the Blazers did at the de- look at what the Blazers did at the deadline last year. I think that's totally. like a perfect blueprint to try and follow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and plus, I, I don't know if they would buy Russ out or not, but the idea of just testing the bounds of shooting list basketball with Russ, Scotty Barnes, Pascal, OG, and Precious on the floor together, boy, oh boy, I would have no fun, but it would be like looking at art, I suppose. I have another Lakers trade, but it's very similar, so I will skip through it and in the interest of time get to this final one, which is kind of a hold-your-nose one. Again, this might not do it. Uh, the Raptors received D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, and Josh Minot and just get off the contract of Chris Boucher while also dealing Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you know, Russell walks at the end of the season. Noel and Reed both up for new deals. This one kind of stinks, but it's. I wanted to do this to illustrate this is like the fourth most viable trade I could find out there for Fred Van Vliet. There are a lot of contenders mm. Or, you know, just teams that might need point guards. No, sorry, there are not a lot of teams that need point guards, contenders especially. Um, but it, it's just, it's really hard to find a match. And the Wolves, in theory, could use Fred Van Vliet to kind of organize whatever the hell they've got going on there in a way Russell hasn't been able to. Um, you know, you don't get a first-round pick in this one. You get Minot. Maybe you're into him. Maybe you're not. I don't know. Um, Noel and Reed are kind of bench guys who have the skills that you kind of need, I suppose, that are lacking on the roster. But thoughts on that and maybe sort of more broadly, just the uh, the thin nature of the potential trade market for Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, around the league right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, a hard no on that. Mm-hmm trade because it doesn't it's very bad uh like it almost it doesn't, that so, doesn't make yeah. you better in the present or the future like mm-hmm. there's no real upside in it so that's mm-hmm. one where it's like okay when i'm saying you don't just trade fred van vliet to trade him that's exactly the sort of trade that i'm yeah. thinking about where it's like if you if that's what you wanted to do just trade fred to like get him out of the out of here like mm-hmm. you're not you're not so dumb anything. is what it is. Yeah. You can call so, it it's stupid to try to do that. <laughs> so definitely not. Um, but I think the, the broader point about, is there really a market for him is a good one. I, I would throw a couple other teams into that mix. Like, Ooh, I'm excited to hear. Cause I had a couple others. I almost got to, but I couldn't quite find workable deals. So like Dallas. Yep. I, I had mean, them in there. Yep. He'd be a, I think a phenomenal fit there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not as dynamic with the ball in his hands as Jalen Brunson is, but he's a, at his best, at least, is a much better shooter than Brunson is. And mm-hmm. he's certainly good enough with the ball in his hands to work as like a, you know, a secondary creator or somebody who can run their their second unit when Luca's on the bench, given how good he could theoretically be playing off of Luca um, mm-hmm. if his catch and shoot game sort of comes back. So... I feel like that would be of great interest to Dallas. I guess, you know, the issue you get into there is like, what do they have to give up really? Um, Like probably their best prospect is Josh Green. I like Josh Green, but he is a little bit redundant uh, with this Raptors team, like a super low usage wing who (laughs) good defender, you know, good, pretty good cutter, like a guy who can attack a closeout. But again, it's almost like Mm -hmm. 
the Terrence Mann conundrum, but even like lower usage and even less ball handling equity. Sure. So like, <laughs> uh, I don't know how exciting that would be. But again, I like Josh Green and, you know, you could probably pry a first from them in the bargain. And then, you know, you get some some salary filler there. Like maybe Reggie Bullock is part of the deal. And like, he hasn't shot the ball well this season, but he again has like a long track record of being a high quality, you know, like 40 plus percent three-point shooter. So mm-hmm there's maybe a guy who could contribute to the team beyond this season. I think there's maybe something workable there. That was like another team yeah. that I, that I have sort of pondered. The problem with the Mavs is that Tim Hardaway Jr. has three years left on his contract as opposed to one. He would be a perfect guy, I think, to sort of absorb into that, that salary slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to be in the business of Tim Hardaway Jr. for the next three seasons, I would uh, posit. And then well, what about you know, Spencer, what about Powell though? So Powell, I thought of Powell. I thought of a Powell Green package, but then that requires another guy to be added in to match the salaries, and then that's looking at like Javale McGee, who again, three years of Javale McGee, not so sure on that one. You know, there's Davis Bertans, I suppose, make sixteen mil. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. the salary you stick in there with Green. Um, but you know, that's uh, I don't know when does his deal end. I, I'm not even sure when his deal comes up. So. Um, it's uh he's not a free agent until after uh next season or he has a player option oh god yeah he's got two years left on his deal potentially so you don't want davis bertans into year 32 either um that's where it kind of falls apart the team i really really like joe and we got to wrap up here because we've gone far too long but that's usually the case when uh, we bring you on the show because i love chatting with you but um the team i thought of that i just couldn't find something workable for is denver like he'd be a really nice fit there it's just it doesn't you have to cobble together like a whole bunch of salaries to make it workable and i just don't think you can do it but what are your thoughts on if they were to try to get creative is is there a potential fit there with the nuggets i don't really think so i don't think that's the type of player that they need to Mm. be honest fair enough like not that he couldn't work there exceptionally well but i think they kind of like they need sort of the like if they were looking at the Raptors as a trade partner, yeah. they would be looking to find, I think, one of those help side rim protectors <laughs> that, <laughs> that we mentioned. You know, like I, uh, and, and like they really need to shore up their bench. And like Fred, in theory, could help them do that by being somebody who's like in that hybrid role of starting, but also running the second unit. Um, and like that being sort of less burden of creation on Bones Highland's shoulders. Mm hmm. Um, but like you said, I don't think there's anything workable there because anything that you would realistically subtract from their roster for them in order to make it happen, I just don't think it would make a whole lot of sense. All of their Um, very good, important players are the ones who make all the money and, uh, there's no one beyond their top six makes more than $5 million. It's really, really difficult. I mean, I think it's like they, you know, would, would you want to like, they, they would, I think do a lot probably to try and get OG like, Oh yeah. They put, I'm sure they would put Michael Porter jr. On the table to get OG, Mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know if I would do that as the Raptors. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure sure I wouldn't want that. No, Uh... (laughs) but I think that's like, that is signal vision. Six, nine is over. Uh, Get Michael Porter jr. On the team. Uh... (laughs) Mm. I don't know. So let's, Um, uh, let's leave it there. Joe, um, sure. and I'll actually, well, I'll ask you one last thing. Uh, January 5th is when we're recording this. There's still more than a month till the deadline, but if you had to go an official prediction of what happens with Fred Van Vliet, trade to which team, it doesn't have to be exactly down to the exact player or salary, but uh, if you had to make a prediction right now, what is your official Fred Van Vliet prediction? Uh, I kind of think that he doesn't get traded (laughs) i Um, mean there's not a lot out there man it's totally possible that's the best course of action yeah or i would say either he like doesn't get traded or he does and it's for like it's a a team that we haven't even mentioned Mm -hmm. for a return that everyone thinks is like really weird (laughs) and and like completely off the board you know like where it's like the the norm powell for gary trent swap it's like nobody Mm. was considering that 
as the type of deal that they were going to look for. Mm -hmm. But I could see the Fred thing being like, oh, actually, there are no picks in the deal. And the player we got back is just like a slightly younger, slightly worse player with a little bit more team control. (laughs) And we're sort of scratching our heads and wondering what the vision is. And then maybe it becomes a little bit clearer down the road. But I feel like it's either going to be that or they just can't find a workable deal and they decide the best course is just to keep him Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe reassess all of this in the summer. If the Bucks had anything left to trade, uh, he'd be such a good fit there too, man. God. Yeah. Lots of no, teams I mean, could use a... Fred Van Vliet, as it turns out. He's a good basketball player. <laughs> That's the thing. There's just like there's yeah. a lot of teams that could use him, but it's hard to find a match in terms of teams that have stuff mm-hmm. to trade that would interest the Raptors and yeah. you know, would be willing to trade their their kind of best stuff to get a potentially declining player who's about to become a free agent you know like Mm -hmm. that's what makes it difficult like the raptors are if they're going to be trying to trade fred they're going to be trying to trade him at the nadir of his value absolutely that's that's the unfortunate reality right now unless he goes on a heater between now and february 5th or whatever and uh you know it it makes it all that more complex uh i my official prediction as of right now january the 5th when we're recording uh you know sort of similar to like i don't think i've seen the clippers reported as a suitor of fred van vliet but it feels like a clippers ass thing to do they like to pull out deals that are surprising in nature and i do think like maybe why this while this wouldn't be surprising to the people who are thinking about potential fred van vliet packages every day uh i do think to the general wider nba circles it would probably be a bit of a a stunner to pull that off a a deal of that magnitude i guess before the deadline plus the clippers just love themselves from players from the raptors championship team like they got to complete the whole set at some point so uh that will be my prediction at the moment it's either that or he doesn't get traded i think or kind of the two on the table i don't think the lakers thing will happen and i just don't see any other really viable options out there um so we'll leave it there joe thank you for uh, taking part in what i'm declaring the definitive podcast about the fred van vliet conundrum uh thank you uh, as always man where can people check out your work uh the score all my written content is there uh on the mobile app on the website and uh pound the rock the nba podcast i co-host weekly sometimes twice weekly with joseph Cacharo. we cover a wide range of topics from around the NBA. We do do a lot of Raptors stuff, but uh, it's certainly not exclusive to the Raptors. We cover all 30 teams in some form or fashion. So uh, you can subscribe and listen to that if you are interested. Truthfully, the best uh, NBA podcast there is. It's really, really fantastic. It's the way I keep abreast of all the things around the league because I can't watch all these damn games every night. But you guys do, so I don't have to. We're going to round it there. Thank you so much for hanging out for this overlong edition of the podcast that the bosses are going to get very mad about here on a Friday. Uh, have yourself a wonderful weekend. There will be a bonus piece of content for you over the weekend as well as I'm jumping on a chat later with our pals uh, Alex and Gavin from Locked On Knicks to talk about the Knicks and the Raptors as they play Sunday. They play a couple times here in the coming weeks. And uh, maybe, just maybe, there's a trade to be had there. Uh, maybe not so much now as the Raptors maybe are not in mode but emmanuel quickly isaiah hartenstein do it do it do it uh all right we'll wrap it there thank you so much we'll talk to you monday or i guess we'll talk to you with the bonus content that drops on saturday before a regular episode monday uh in the meantime have a wonderful time everybody bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.